This is Above Grade with J.S. Brown and your host, Bryce Jacob. Welcome to Above Grade, where each week we discuss the construction landscape here in central Ohio. I'm Bryce Jacob from J.S. Brown and & Company, and uh, we're going to go through a lot of great stuff today. We've already been through some good things last week and the previous two weeks. I guess it's been uh, a two parts. Wa- yeah, water. A whole right. lot about water. The goods, the bads, the uglies. Yep. Mostly the uglies, because that's what's interesting on on a, on a podcast, that's, right? That's what makes things go. Yeah. Now, I'm curious. Uh, you know, the voice you hear is Ben Needenthal. He's a producer of here at Above Grade and... Uh, um, what do you think uh, of the water? Did you go home and kind of check your place out and make sure that you're watertight? <laughs> uh, funny side story. A couple of years ago, I built a bar for the outside back deck of my house. Thanks for very... the invite. I haven't seen that. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, it's not there anymore because I didn't properly treat the <laughs> right kind of wood. And it literally did the grant. We talked about the, like the cracker thing. It did the exact thing. It basically fell apart after a couple of years. So yeah, well, uh, that was learned. a failed experiment in construction in my, in my world. So that, that rung a little true to home. Well, you yeah. want to tune in today, because yeah. if you aren't careful with what we're talking about today, uh, the results won't be a rotted deck. It might just be a, a funeral for yourself. Yeah, a, so a quick death. A quick death, <laughs> yeah, which we're going to talk about electric. And I've got a good friend of mine, and he's been an electrician I've worked with for years on our remodeling projects, and it's Ben White, and he's going to be joining us here in a second, and we're going to introduce him. But he's with Excel Electric. He's been doing this a long time, and I'm excited to introduce him. So, Ben, welcome to the show. Good morning, Bryce. Thanks for having me here. And... Uh Go through a number of electrical items today, and yeah. happy to answer any questions that you might have. Well, I'm going to pepper you with them. You know, I do this to you all the time. Right, right. So, and I give you some doozies out there. You know, one of the things that um, we really enjoy about working with Ben is he's well, well versed in all the ages of homes and all the types of electrical that we get into because it's not just new wiring that we're having you uh, tie into. Oftentimes, we have homes that were built uh, with old knob and tube, and uh, and you know what to do with that because I don't. So that's why I have you. Come out. Right, right. Yeah, knob and tube is its uh, its own animal. Um, <laughs> it uh, you know it still works well. It uh, does need some care, mm-hmm. and a lot of times we're asked to take it out. And you know, a lot of your remodels, we replace it with new wiring, which yeah. is really the best way to go. Yeah, absolutely. Because right. uh, it's not. And, yeah, the knob and tube was designed back when we didn't have nearly as many appliances as we have now. And, uh, you know, it was sufficient. But for modern technology, it's best if it comes out. And when we do a mm-hmm. lot of uh, your remodel, we do. Now, typically, out. knob and tube wiring wasn't grounded. Is that correct? Right. Right. It didn't. It only had two wires that ran through the whole system, basically a, a uh, what you call a hot wire, mm-hmm. and then a return path for the electric to flow away from you know, the device. So it did not have a ground with it. Yep. And uh, that's part of the problem with the knob and tube. And the knob and tube, most houses, uh, you know, built in the late, uh, you know, 1880s through 1930, you didn't have a lot of insulation in the houses either. Yeah. And knob and tube wasn't designed to be in insulation. It's supposed to be in free airspace. Creates another problem. Everybody has their houses insulated. Sure. And you guys go in and insulate. Yeah. It would make a nice. uh, Well, we give you something to do now. Right, right. You have to rewire it. Right. So it is best to have it removed if you can. Not always practical. 
So what I thought we could do is I'd like for you to take homeowners through uh, the real basics. You know, uh, I know that many of you listening to this or watching this, if you're on YouTube checking us out, you'll be able to see some of the things we're talking about. But I thought it'd be helpful to take our audience through what the very basics of electric are. How do they know that they have uh, what what type of electric they have in their home? And so there's a diagram. So if you're if you're listening, we'll describe this as best we can. But if you want to check it out, we have a diagram on the YouTube. Uh, so, it, it, you know, there's there's two ways that service really gets in your home. Isn't that right? Correct. You could have overhead service coming into your home or underground service coming into your home. How do you know the difference? Well, the uh, <laughs> easiest way is to go outside, take a look at where the electric comes in or your electric meter on the exterior of the house. And if you see wires overhead... Um, it's an overhead. It's overhead. And if you don't see it, it's covered by grass. It's going to be underground. Yeah, it's pretty basic. See, we told you, very right. basic. So those are the two basic ways, and and generally, uh, you can convert it. Correct. If you have overhead wires coming into the house, uh, you do have the ability to take those wires underground. In many cases, as long as there's not too many obstructions. But I know that when we've done remodels or we add an addition onto a home, uh, oftentimes the homeowner says, "Hey, it'd be really nice to get those wires out of the backyard that hang right over our." patio or where my kids are playing football or doing things, it'd be really nice to have those wires tucked away. And I know that you've converted a lot of those to underground service. How complicated is that? Um, everyone is uh, pretty much a unique situation. You know, yep. Your homeowners would like to do away with it. You know, nobody wants a, a nice, beautiful deck that you just built mm-hmm. with wires hanging five feet over the deck. So they would prefer true. to put an underground service in. <laughs> and, you know, there's a, a number of things to look at. You know, what is on the property could be other structures that are tough to get around mm-hmm. um, and it may not be feasible to change from overhead to underground but uh, you know we get the power company involved they'll do a site visit um, that would be whoever your power company is consolidated electric AEP mm-hmm. we do a site visit with them um, get their perspective on changing from overhead to underground service and you know they'll tell us whether it's feasible and what it's gonna what it's gonna cost and then from there um, you know we work out a plan with you right as far as how we're going to accomplish that all of the trenching and everything that goes into mm-hmm. going from overhead to underground yeah and I know that oftentimes in an older home uh, established other structures big trees uh, makes it very difficult and uh, you may have to give up a tree may have to go around a structure it gets expensive the longer the run it does it does yeah. the longer the run it gets expensive and uh yeah just the number of things you might have to go around yeah. like i say sometimes it works out well and sometimes it is not uh, an easy an easy task anything you can accomplish anything with money uh, with sure. money right exactly <laughs> um, someone but, said that before but with we do money all o- things are possible right, right? Yes, it is we do, it, we do it quite often i can't think of many times where we were not able to do it so, and if you have your lines and they're five feet above your deck, like Ben was saying, they do not qualify as a zip line. So, stay off of those. Or laundry line. Or laundry line. Right. Oh, yeah. We see all kinds of crazy things. So, you know, and, and speaking of seeing crazy things, oftentimes what I do when I walk into a home the first time, a, a, a prospective client of ours is looking at um, maybe putting an addition on or, or remodeling a kitchen or doing a bathroom, whatever the project might be. The first place I go, which is odd to them sometimes, is I shoot right downstairs and I go down and I look at their 
their electric panel because they want to see what service they have first and foremost, but what size their panel is. So here's a good example of what I see on a regular basis is going down. This is a full panel. So a full panel is where all the circuits are taken up. And, you know, oftentimes uh, I'll read them if they're marked. Mo- most of the panels are not well marked. I mean, in my experience, I walk in, they're I not. say mine are never accurately marked. Yeah, that's it's very unusual uh, that there's a nice, clean, well-marked panel, uh, at least in my experience. But there, in 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 many cases, the circuitry, uh, the circuits are all full. All the breakers are taken up. So um, we would have to look at doing a sub-panel. Or I know what you look at as well, Ben, is it. Uh, is what they have in there adequate for the electric, which typically with today's codes, there are breakers and arc fault protectors and things that you're adding into a panel where there isn't room for it allocated now. Because even, even a panel like this where there's two breakers, um, you're kind of calculating out what you'd be able to put in there. Right, right. Yeah, um, what we do is look at, one, is the panel full? If it is, um, generally we're going to add a sub-panel. Mm-hmm. That Uh, expands the number of circuits that you can add. So instead of trying to put all of the new circuits in one panel, you've got another panel right beside it so that you can add the new circuits into. And with the new code requirements that have been, you know, in effect for quite a while now, um, we need to use arc fault or arc fault GFI breakers, and they don't go into some of the older existing panels. So we need to put in a sub-panel or completely upgrade the existing in order to accommodate the new breakers to meet code requirements. How does somebody know that? You know, many of our viewers might want to go down and take a look at their panel and say, well, what what do I have? What should they look for? Or if they're even looking at a new home and they walk in and they're taking a look at this house to see what they've got, they're thinking of doing work, they open up the panel, what what should be some of the things they'd look for that might tell them you're going to have to probably replace the panel and the circuits to, to comply with today's codes? Mm-hmm. Um, that one's an interesting question. Should they look for something like that? Well, <laughs> you know, sometimes the, uh, the 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 messiness of the interior wiring of the panel doesn't really dictate that you need That's a new true. panel. Yeah, you put a cover on it and it looks pretty. You, you put a cover on it and it looks pretty. Yeah. Um, sometimes you'll open one up and you'll notice that moisture's gotten into it. Mm-hmm. And you might have some rust buildup in there. You could have rust on what they call the bus bars. The bus bars are the, uh, the uh, c- copper conductors generally that run down the middle and it distributes the electric through the panel. You want to make sure you don't have rust in there because you want good contact between the uh, service panel and your breakers. See, now we need to have a show on flashing your panel. Yeah. Like yeah. we did. That's we right. could have had a part three. Yeah. Well, you know what? There's room is, for it. That is key <laughs> because yes. um, that is one area. You get the meter base set, you get the wire that comes in either yeah. overhead or underground to the interior, and water will find, uh, will find a path. It'll get in through the service cable and right down into the service panel, quite possibly. Now, when you're putting new panels in or you're hooking up service to a home, are you typically the one that would flash that out? Uh, no, we're usually gone before that. Okay. Um, we put it in, and then whoever does the exterior um, siding or exterior trim would do that. If I did it ahead of time, somebody would probably, probably pull it out. Oh, yeah, or poke holes in it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. Very true. Yeah. So if someone has a pushmatic, is that a bad thing? I'm not a hard sell on getting rid of pushmatic okay. panels. Um, they do work okay. They did use their or lose their UL listing, so they no longer manufacture that panel or the parts that go in them. 
Okay. Um, they're really not good to you or I when it comes to remodels because I can't get the breakers that we need um, for new construction. They don't make the arc fault or the arc fault GFI. Yeah. So generally, um, we will remove that panel and put a new one in. Okay. Mm -hmm. Can you jump off of it for a sub panel and keep an old push mat? I can just have a, a, a sub panel? Uh, you can. We've done that quite a few times. Mm -hmm. um, one, it keeps the cost down for the, the homeowner. Right. And if on further inspection, you notice that there isn't a problem with their existing panel, the push matting, mm -hmm. um, you may opt to leave it there. You know, there are some signs where they may have had a problem at one point. We yeah. may, you know, suggest they get rid of it. But, you know, if I'm going to add several circuits, I hate to, you know, I want to spare them the expense of a, a new panel just to add two breakers. Right. So it's kind of counterproductive. So we'll put a sub-panel in. That that uh, seems to be the best way to go. Gotcha. Well, I'm going to bring us back in time a little bit to a project you and I worked on together. It was a really nice project, and we had a, a big addition that we brought off the side of this. And um, the, of course, where the addition goes is right where the panel is, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> or the meter, rather. You don't build them any other way, do you? Uh, well, no, right. it doesn't seem to be. Yeah. At least it's, when homeowners approach us, they're yeah. like, we want the addition right, right here. here. And here's, I go, here's oh, the your meter is right there. <laughs> so, yeah, it's always right in the path of, of what mm -hmm. we're trying to build. But this is kind of interesting because I want to show uh, this image. This is um, what's going on on the right-hand side is the is where the old meter was. And so there's a lot of electrical because it's a large home. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of electric service coming into the home here. And they had the meter, the large box. And then um, you also see when, when we are starting excavation, that panel's gone. Uh, so where that's shown shown here, that little arrow points over to where there is no meter there anymore, which means the service has been either uh, permanently or tempor temporarily relocated, and you did that work. Mm -hmm. So what did you do in this particular case where we're having to pull the meter off of the home, open up the home, and then dig a foundation? It's going to be many, many months of uh, construction going on. What do you do during that, that period of time to allow that homeowner to stay in the home and keep the you know, temperature going in the home, the the furnace running and all the lights and keep mm -hmm. refrigerators running for them. What do you do in this particular case and how long is someone typically without power while you're making this transfer? Well, on that particular one, and I remember it well, um, that little backhoe there, that little track hoe doesn't uh, really describe the full scope of work that was going no. on there. You put a, <laughs> a huge addition on the side of yeah, that we house. We built a house on the house. You built a house on a house. And... Um, what worked out well on this particular one, we took that uh, service equipment off of that side of the house and put it on the other side of the house. Mm -hmm. We were able to get all of that set up, all of the wires from the new meter base, base location into the uh, existing service panel in the house. So we didn't need to set up a temporary service. Mm -hmm. So the process was uh, get a hold of the uh, local power company, have them meet us on site. And, you know, we basically tell them we're going to relocate the service on the outside of the house, um, told them where we had planned on trenching, and uh, they agreed to that. And we actually took that meter base and, and put it clear on the other side of the house and were able to, I think we had service down on that house probably for eight hours only. Yeah. And then nice. turned everything back on. So yep. that one worked out really, really well. They went to work, came home, and had we wouldn't had, have known it. Right. Had we had to do it any other way, um, move that meter 
location and all that service equipment to the far side of your huge addition you put on there. Yeah. Yeah. They would have, we'd have had to set up a temporary service. Would have been a lot more inconvenient for the homeowners. But uh, I don't think, uh, you know, they could have gone away in an afternoon and come back and never even knew their lights were out except for the, the clocks flashing yeah. and the microwave flashing and they have to reset them right so so i'm going to challenge um the other ben because i'm surrounded by bens today mm-hmm. is that nice it's it's really nice it's always good to have two bens in the same yeah room. what's better than one ben two two bens right all right and especially if you got a benjamin in your pocket too right that's always good uh i'm going to really challenge do, you here yeah <laughs> well you know <laughs> that's why that's why there's only two bens here um take a look at that uh meter okay is it overhead or underground service? I'm going to guess that's underground. underground. Yeah. Yeah. yeah pretty, he's good. With a name like Ben. You, yeah. 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 Right. Ben, the genius. Great yes. Ben's think alike. <laughs> yes. Ben Franklin. <laughs> you know, the discoverer of electricity. He's the reason you have a job. That's yeah. Right. If, he, if he hadn't gone, if been flying a kite with a key on it, <laughs> we may not be here today doing this podcast. So lucky you listeners yeah. so yep that's underground service so i've got a question for you when we're doing a remodel and there's already underground service and it's in the way what is easier for you to deal with overhead or underground when it's in the path of construction um you know what it really doesn't matter there, it's all fun yeah, for you the the one takes a little bit more work that would be the underground yeah because <clears throat> generally you're going to get the power company involved and you're going to have to map out a way to relocate it underground. So you get you get an extra person involved, and it takes a little bit more time. Overhead, you know, sometimes it can be <clears throat> disconnected and reconnected easily. Pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah quickly. you do a temporary mast. And yeah. The underground w- will take a little bit more time. You've got mm-hmm. more people involved, more cost involved, obviously. Okay. Um, well, that's, but, a, that's good. Yeah. You guys are all hitting all the answers right. So this is, I can't stump you guys. This is good. So this is sometimes a a stumper. At least it is for us. So here's what goes on during construction. We've got this brand new plan and we've got this old house and we're changing the footprint and we frame a new opening and we take down old walls and there's stuff in the way. And there's always electric in the way because there's electric through every wall, Mm -hmm. right? Well, that's how you build them, right? You always tear up where all the electric is. Tear off soffits and, right. Keeps me in work. You're welcome. So I know, I know what you're saying it was a roundabout way of saying thank you bryce um but yeah and taking a look at this you see there's wires hanging all over there's even um there's even duct work uh that's running supplying the second floor which you kind of go okay well if we leave that in the middle of a doorway you know that's an interesting element conversation piece perhaps mm-hmm. um but we've got to find a new path for it and then there's always plumbing and those are the bigger things i mean your wires are tiny you know, that's what my HVAC guy always complains about your job being so easy. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you know, uh, Dave over at Custom Air, he's always, oh, Ben has it easy. He's just got little wires. I got the big trunks, and I have to I mm-hmm. have to find the space, and blah, 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 blah. I get to hear him bellyache all the time. We'll have him on. He can do that some other time. Yeah. But you got the little wires, but they're always hanging all over the place. Is that dangerous for a homeowner when we're remodeling a home and there's wires hanging around like this? Because they always are. Uh, yeah, anytime you've got wires exposed like that, not the wire itself so much because right. it has you know it has a uh, coating on, it. on top yeah. of it. Um, but you can see there's some boxes hanging there mm-hmm. uh, that used to be mounted inside the wall that are exposed now. So anytime you have a exposed switch or receptacle or a metal metal box, you you could put your hands on there potentially and get shocked. So yeah, we we come in and and uh, demo that out mm-hmm. and relocate it and it it takes some time to relocate it. Yeah, that, to find that the one, path for everything. Well, that one is uh 
you know, everything's open there. A lot of times when we do this, all the drywall or 90% of the drywall is still in place. Yeah. So I'm fortunate. I've got some crews that can almost see through the drywall at this point. They they, they know a they lot know what's about there. what's back there. They've done so much of it. And, you know, they're pretty good at eliminating it. That one's got, you know, the modern wiring method, mm-hmm. which is the Romex, the white wire that you see there. Yeah. Um, some of the other, the old knob and tube that we talked about earlier, harder to make it go away. Um, you don't know where where it goes, and by the time you get there, a project's been remodeled three and four times, True. and it just yeah. makes it tougher to figure out where everything goes. Yeah, because yeah. it's usually tied in with some newer wiring, and right. you know they've they've. Um, kind of cobbed it all together you know we've, we've seen all of it you know we see a lot of you know and don't do this if you're if you're doing it at home we're, that's going to be our tip coming up here but you know you're if you're doing the stuff yourself and you're trying to do electric um it's not advisable if you're not an electrician you know it's it's very dangerous a lot of house fires result in it people getting electrocuted shocked whatever it might be um because you think oh how hard can it be mm-hmm. you know guy's a genius you know so yeah it's hard mm-hmm. uh, you figured it out and you and and your team has x-ray vision too so they're super people yeah on a house like that they could they could figure that one out a little bit easier like i say some of the knob and tube you just you just never know we can spend days in there several days yeah. just trying to figure out where it goes because i can't just cut it i have to keep right uh service to uh the customer's house you know, they still want everything working. I can't leave it not working. So, you know, we may have to go through multiple rooms in the house to make sure everything is still intact and working. Um, it's not, you know, it's not always easy to do. It's yep. it's time consuming. I know. I, I would assume by the gauging of the bills I receive right. for it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's take a look at some other stuff. Now, this is what, uh, you know, that, now that the wiring is being done, you see a lot of different color wires. What does that mean? Well, you see the white, which you mentioned, Romex, right. and then you have yellow, and there's an orange line in there. So when someone sees that, what are what are they really seeing? Well, it's it's just an easier way to identify the wire. It used to be <clears throat> most of it came in uh, the the white wire, mm-hmm. whether it be a 12 gauge wire or a 14 gauge wire. You know what we typically call Romex. That's yep. the uh, where you got the three conductors all in one cable, and you can see in that picture you've got some orange, yellow, white. Um, by looking at it, you can tell that the yellow is going to be a 12-gauge wire. That's a little bit heavier gauge wire. Okay. Probably run some appliances or mm-hmm. a whirlpool or something like that. And the white wire is a 14-gauge wire, generally set up for general lighting, that type of thing. And Outlets orange, and so forth. Right. And switches. And receptacles yeah. and mm-hmm. switches. And that orange wire will probably go to a uh, dryer probably along you know a 30 okay. amp circuit yep. that type of thing so it's easy for an inspector or someone to come in and you know identify the wires quickly and a three-way wire just has a red line through it is that right looks uh, like you a wouldn't know necessarily looking at the white wire there yeah. whether it was a three wire or a two wire it comes in the same color cable right um, the only way you would know is to actually look at the markings on the sheathing itself mm-hmm. or follow it to where it goes and look at it there yep 
Yeah. So it's a it's a good idea. So here's some projects where the electric's being done, um, and you see, you know, the walls are framed up, and and the electric's being done in here, and you've got your outlet bo- out, outlet boxes, and you've got switch boxes, and it's always good to take some photos. You know, if you're building a home or you're remodeling your own home, um, I advise taking some photographs on your own so you know what's in your walls and where it's located because it's not just electric you're trying to locate it's ductwork and plumbing you know that's always fun when you drive a nail through the wall and you hit a plumbing line that's a treat so there's no flashing that can prevent that mm-hmm. um, so uh, you just and that's why it's really good to take pictures of it and certainly you don't want to nick a wire that's in the wall with a nail because that could lead to a fire or conducting the electricity or always shoring it out or you can't figure out why an outlet isn't working uh, your breakers always tripping sometimes those are the things that happen mm-hmm. so take photographs of it and uh, and kind of have your idea of where everything is if it's really particular you might want to get your tape measure out and take a picture of your tape measure where that wire is in conjunction to a intersection in the wall and take that picture um, put it in your little archive it's so nice you know it, you used to with fo- photographs had to take your film out to be developed <laughs> so you're very selective of what you're taking a picture of now with these little devices the google devices that have cameras built into them uh, you can take all the pictures you want and uh, and put it on uh, uh, put it on your computer and right or wherever just keep it on your phone and flip through it it's probably been one of the best it. tools to have you, you've yeah. seen me in there do i do the panoramic i try to take in as much as i can in one shot yep um so that when i i print it out to my field people you know i can actually you usually get a picture of me in there with I, all I, your electric I, well, well i can edit that out or <laughs> or not just for your own purpose yeah just purposes yeah but, uh, yeah okay. well i get a picture of bryce and everyone so i know you know where i'm at and uh, I just take a lot of pictures just so that we can remember remember the job site. Most of the pictures that I take are prior to it looking like it does in that photo. It's when you've demoed all the wires yeah. or demoed yep. the drywall, and uh, you know we come in for a site visit. I like to take pictures just so I can see a lot of times what's in the way as far as lumber because somebody may ask you or me, uh, why didn't you put that light right there? You know, they might pick pick a specific location and mm-hmm. we can look back at the picture and say well there's duct work there right or um you know framing in the way so we had to move it to the right or the left so yeah pictures do help a lot yeah there always are obstructions i mean you're always dealing with the framing uh, right. as well i mean that's where we have to get back at, at dave mm-hmm. you know for giving you such a hard time about little wires but you have the box that goes in and there's usually framing in the way mm-hmm. if we're trying to center a light in a room and if the framing is just where it is uh, it's difficult to center that but you have tricks around that too mm-hmm. you got all kinds of neat little tricks up your sleeve uh, speaking of um, things for safety you know smoke detectors I, I put this in here because this is part of your uh, keeping with code that you do in the homes is install hardwired smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors as well that are all connected to uh, interconnected so if one goes off in the house they all end up going right. off to alert the family and that's been a requirement gosh since what, what was it 2005 or six mm-hmm. is that when that roughly came out uh, as far as the smokes themselves are being required as hardwired yeah 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 this has been around for a long time I don't yeah. know the exact you got me there on that when you stumped me I don't know yes, the exact, finally I don't know the exact date on that I know the exact uh, date I stumped here. you <laughs> <laughs> but you know the the smoke detectors and CO detectors are important um, you know as 
times change, um, we're required to put more and more smoke detectors and CO detectors in, which, um, you know, now we have to put them in every bedroom, yep. which is a great idea. Right. And then we put them in the hallway just outside the bedroom, which is another great idea, because if you have your door closed to sure. the bedroom, the smoke may not go in or out. And, It'll be trapped know, outside the room. Yeah. Yep. And you want everybody to be notified. And, and you're right. We do interconnect those so that if the uh, smoke detector in the basement detects smoke, it sets all of the smoke detectors off. They all go off at the same time. Or if one in the sec- on the second floor detects smoke, um, you know, it'll, it'll signal the hallway, first floor, and basement. So, All right. So every home has to have at least one carbon monoxide detector now. Is that right? Correct. Mm-hmm. And that's hardwired in. And they can't connect them to their security system if they should have one. Um, you know, uh, they really don't advise that because you could choose to not have a security system right. hooked up to your house anymore. You might not pay for that service. But your electric smoke detectors are always hooked up yeah. and ready to go. You know, And, and uh, most times have battery backup with them, unless you're using a wireless system of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've got uh, 120 volt with battery backup. So kind of a fail safe yeah even if the power goes Absolutely. out they're still working well ben you know from being an avid listener of the show everyone's favorite part of the show other than now you having been a guest is the tip of the week mm-hmm. so i'm going to give everyone the tip of the week so get your pens and paper ready write this tip down and be clear and it's a guess what an electrical tip it's time for the tip of the week Every year, thousands of do-it-yourselfers are critically injured doing electrical projects without the guidance of an electrician. If you have electrical work that needs to be performed, but you don't want to be patient and wait for an electrician, understand the risks of injury or future dangers in the home that you're introducing. So that is the tip of the week, folks. And Ben... That's the one thing I watch people do all the time. When I go into homes, you see it too. You see more mm-hmm. than I do. Uh, but I always see work that homeowners have done previously where they've just tied stuff together in the wall. They don't properly put it in a junction box. And that's a fire hazard. Just as you said, stuff up against insulation. We've seen that with knob and tube where people get a draft in the house. They have knob and tube and they stuff all that insulation up in and around it. You need an electrician to look at these things. So if you're feeling uh, you know, risky... Um, electric really isn't the one you want to be doing that with. I have to admit, I'm actually guilty of this. <laughs> you shouldn't have, minor, done, shouldn't minor have said stuff. that on the show. I know. I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to reprimand you now. I know. That's that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I moved an outlet slightly over to the other stud. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are some yeah. things if you're keeping the electric within the, yeah. the box it was Breaking in, wires doing, as soon yeah, as it gets splitting that, wires. That's, that's what I'm calling somebody like Ben, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are some things that, you know, you, you can. And YouTube. God bless it, uh, has done a lot of things that you know make people experts in things that they're technically not experts yeah. in. Where if you say, "Hey, I want to, I want to make this a, you know, a, a, add a switch and make it a three-way. What do I need to do?" You know, that's a little bit more involved, um, and I wouldn't recommend doing that on your own. But YouTube has done a lot of things to show people uh, ways to go about doing this, and and on YouTube it always sounds so safe, doesn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. They make yeah, it sound like, yeah. oh, this is super easy to just, you yeah, know. anyone can do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's why we get calls a lot. And they're like, I started to tear this wall down and now the roof is sagging. What do right, I do? Right. <laughs> Seen that Run. time or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get out. <laughs> yeah. Or the guy that Put up caution tape. doesn't want to admit that he tried doing his own electrical work. That's yeah. true. He's like, yeah. some more yeah. Yeah. than you yeah. did. <laughs> it's obvious right. when you get yeah. there that uh, he's, he's tried something. <laughs> There's little <laughs> clippings on the floor. Right. Oh, those are still yeah. there huh? from the Dead last owner. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're on to you. We know what you're doing out there. All right. So I want to talk about some of the trends, some of the things that we see in lighting and just lighting space, because you're running the electric too. And unfortunately, the the glam of what you do is all behind the walls for the most part. And the fixtures themselves are what are uh, shining all the light that you have right. electricity going to. So let's, let's look at some things, because there's some really cool ways that people are using lighting. And I know that there are some tricky ways of doing it too, because everyone sees the finished product. You're, you're looking at these images and you're going, oh, wow, that's really cool. That's so beautiful. And you see that in islands, underneath islands, they're illuminated, or in the area where the chairs slide back, there's an illuminated backlighting in there, and you just go, that's just beautiful. A lot of people don't think of, you know, what was, you know, in right. the grinder to make the sausage. Mm-hmm. And you look at uh, the lighting coming down off the face of the cabinets. So there's cabinetry there, and then you have lighting uh, flooding the face of the cabinets in this particular case. So there's a, a wide range of different tasks in general lighting mm-hmm. that's being used. But you got to get wires to it. And oftentimes, a cabinetry isn't there because you got to get the wires in the wall. How do you how do you go about doing that to make sure the the, the electricity is in the place exact place it needs to be mm-hmm. for the finished product? Well, that's where we coordinate with the the designers, mm-hmm. and you know they have pretty much before we get to the job know your cabinet sizes, what they're going to look like, maybe even give us a great three D uh, rendering of what the project is going to look like, and from there it makes it a little bit easier for us to uh, put the the wiring or the boxes in the right location because again we got to follow local codes or the National Electric Code um, on spacing for outlets and and uh, you know where lighting can or cannot be you don't worry about that so much in a kitchen as far as where as lighting can be you can put that anywhere but uh, how we know. Uh, the wires are in the right location. We base that on the drawings that we get yeah. as far as cabinetry go or, uh, you know, the entire layout of the room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know in-cabinet lighting, you know, is a big deal. Right. If you have glass front cabinets and mm-hmm. having the, the lighting and then LED lighting, there's the tape light. There's all kinds of really cool innovations that have come out over the last several years to to illuminate areas. So it's not just a beam of light, but more of like a, a, a flooding of light right. in an area. And it's controllable by dimmer switch, which I'm a romantic. You know, you know that, Ben. And I like dimmer switches because I'm the guy that puts dimmer switches on everything. every lighting. Yeah, right. I do. Uh, I put on everything except maybe inside a closet. Mm-hmm. Or where else don't I put it? Uh, that's probably it. Yeah. Just inside the closet. <laughs> I pretty much have dimmers <laughs> on everything else mm-hmm. because I like to be able to control the volume of light. And I think when you're creating a mood or a setting, um, it's nice to have uh, the ability to control that volume. And I think about it in my house. I don't like to get up and just full beam light. Mm-hmm. I, I got to ease into my day, uh, especially in the winter where it's dark and you're getting up and there is no sunlight yet. I don't want to go full beam. So I just, you know, just creep that little dimmer switch up in my bathroom, mm-hmm. get the day started 
started and by the time I'm ready to, you know, brush my teeth and do all that, I'm three quarters of the way up. I really never get beyond that. I never go to high beam, just don't like the bright light. Mm -hmm. But it's nice to have that volume control. You can do it in your cabinets. You can do it on your under cabinet lighting as well right. uh, for your accenting just to create a nice soft mood if you want to have just good directional lighting. Get so you know where mm -hmm, yeah. a little ambiance. Yep. And there's some cool things like in, in this image that we have, the toe kicks are illuminated around the cabinetry. Mm -hmm. And that's probably a strip lighting that's right. that's up under there, like an LED uh, tape light that would be under there. And then riser lights on stairs just to, again, gently illuminate your path of traffic uh, so you can see it without turning all the overhead lights on. Mm -hmm. So you have fun doing those things? I mean, do you like doing that kind of stuff or do you kind of go, oh, gosh, yeah. here's another one of those uh, gosh darn toe kick lights? No, no, we don't we don't mind that at all. Good. I like um, your spirit. You know, it's, it's, it's decided on ahead of time. So yeah. we already know. And if you use a good product... Um, on the finish, it makes it nice to to put in. And I got a trivia question for you. Oh boy! You know you you like I to get use, ready to cut. Okay. You, you like mm. to use dimmers everywhere. I do. <laughs> um, That's not a question. That's you a know, fact. You, and I don't know if you ever sell your uh, customers on this, but you know by using dimmers, you can cut down on your electrical costs. Yeah. Do you know why? Have I, have I ever told you why? Um, I would like the technical explanation, but because it's not as bright, I assume you're not using as much electricity to illuminate the bulb. But, uh, you know, well, the new give us the technical. The new electronic dimmers that they have out, yeah. you may not know it. Um, you're saving electricity because they are actually turning the electric off and back on faster than you can detect it with the human eye. Really? So an electronic dimmer turns the lights off and on. It depends on, so it starts from the off position, mm -hmm. and the longer that dimmer would be on, you know, when you raise it in the up position, yep. the brighter the light would get, correct? Okay, yes. So if you have it down, it means it left the light on a shorter amount of time, the, 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 the bulb or the LED didn't heat up. Okay. So, therefore, so it's like you, pulsing rapidly. It's pulsing so fast that you can't see it. Actually, as a video producer, as a video producer, I you can, can see. see it. I see it all. The time. It's something you I have to be very it. cognizant of if there's right. if there's dimmer switches on things because right. it huh. shows up because of the frame yep. rate. Because of the oh, frame rate, so you yeah. don't like dimmers. You'll uh, notice it. Uh, I, well, so, well, I don't ben like dimmers when I'm shooting video at home. I'm, Show's I'm not a working out too. so well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're at odds. Oh boy, yeah. you're probably gonna put a mustache on me, aren't you? In this show. Yeah, it's hard to believe that it's flashing that fast, and you don't detect it. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. It's a little bit uh, more difficult with a lot of the new LED lighting that we put in. So you basically yeah. have got uh, electronic uh, lighting and electronic dimmers, and then they've got to work in yep. conjunction with All right, with so each debunk other. this myth. Okay. I thought when you turn your lights on and turn your light off that you're actually using more electricity. So if you're in a room and your lights are on and you're turning them on, on and off, rapidly that you're using more electricity is that is that a uh, is that false I, I don't i don't know the uh, science behind why that. did my mother tell me that uh, probably to, so you wouldn't wear the switch out i'm guessing yeah that could yeah. well she never stopped she would have told switch. me that yeah, yeah. she would have told me that i would have believed that but she said i'm costing her more money and on the electric bill so sue right. from toledo is going to hear from me yeah i'm going to get yeah. her no i would think that if the lights were out you wouldn't be using any electric at all so <laughs> i you know i don't know I guess i'm somebody, with you on that 
Somebody, uh, the heating contractor might have the answer for you. He might be able to tell us. <laughs> well, he'll criticize you one way or another. Yeah, I just right. know it. It's coming. It's mm-hmm. coming. All right. And then some other things that are kind of neat, you know, when we do tray ceilings and we do some different um, leveling elements in the ceiling, it's nice to play with lighting up in there. You know, uh, can lights were so popular for so long um, and they were large, you know, the six inch cans. Now I think they're reducing in size and they're still illuminating space. We're still seeing mm-hmm. can lights because they actually uh, light areas very, very effectively. And again, they're dimmable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have, um, you know, like the cornices or the tray ceilings doing some up lighting in there just to, again, give that ambiance or a little balance of lighting in there. It's really cool. Right. Yeah, it's neat. Yeah, it looks good. I, uh, I had a gentleman tell me years and years and years ago. Um, You're not he, that old to be years and well, years yeah, and years right. ago. Come on. But, uh, you know, you're talking about layering mm-hmm. on your lighting. You like the layers uh, of lighting. And he said that, uh, and it always made good sense to me, um, he likes to see the effect of the light, but not the light. You know, he might light up in that particular room that you've got there. He might light up a picture on the wall. So you're lighting the picture up, but you get the, uh, you get the, uh, the brightness in the room from that, but you're not actually putting, you know, the light directly overhead. The bounce from the light. So it was all the effect of the light. And, uh, you know, I noticed that in a lot of, uh, uh, you know, uh, you go to an art studio, you know, they're lighting up something, not necessarily shining the light into the room. So, you know, the layers of lighting, however you get to that point, you're under cabinet lighting, in cabinet lighting. Again, you don't see the light. You just see the effect of the light, and it brightens up the room. So, yeah, your layering was a, a good idea, a good analogy there on what makes good, good lighting. Mm-hmm. Well, Ben, that's about all we got for today, and I really appreciate you coming on and and, uh, and shedding some light on electricity mm. for us. That's usually well, a put a boom right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a bright guy, so I would oh come boy. up with stuff like this. Uh, but I appreciate you coming on. Love to have you back. But I know you probably got a project to get out to and and uh, and check it out and, and get going. So we'll we'll get you on your way. I appreciate it. For the rest of you, I want to invite you to reach out to us. Let us know how we're doing. But also, if you've got a topic that's on your mind, uh, go ahead and send it to us. Feel free to email us. You can do that at abovegrade at jsbrowncompany.com. And that's a good way for you to... Um, communicate with us. If you have something that you haven't heard about or you got a question, just send that to us. We'll open up our mailbag and answer your question. If you don't want to send us anything, I don't care. That's fine, too. Just keep listening to us and keep watching us. You can do that by going to jsbrowncompany.com. That's our website, and you'll see where we have above grade listed there. You can also go to iTunes, and now you can go to YouTube as well, and you can watch what we're talking about and see some of the examples of things that we discuss on our topic. So be sure to do that, and when you do, if you got a chance to rate and review us, let us know how we're doing. We always want to get better for you, so uh, it's a valuable use of your time. And until next week, this is Bryce Jacob. I'm with J.S. Brown and Company and wishing you a great week to build from. Boxland Media. Think big.